Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Now, now we've been, this has been like the base uh, part of scripture, the base verses that we've been using through the month of January. And it's where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks as we uh, then make a turn to wrap up the series. But First John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. I really think it's an important, important part of scripture. And uh, maybe you're like, Alex, why, why have we been reading the same verses? Because I really want us to get this down in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit from here to the end of the year. Right? I, like I want it to be February. I want it to be March. I want it to be June. I, I want you to go to sleep thinking about First John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. Right? Like I want you to wake up thinking about First John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. I want it to be November, December and we're thinking about First John. I'm telling you, if we get this in our soul, it's going to help us on the long run. Right? Like I really believe this is going to help us in the long run. And so First John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 and uh, I want you to underline this, highlight this. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab your neighbor's Bible, highlight it for them, and just underline it for them. If you're there, can you shout amen? Amen. All right, beginning in verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Come on, can we say that together? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Come on. The lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, they will pass away. But whoever, whoever does the will of God will live forever. Come on, somebody. Anybody grateful that with Jesus, we live forever. We live forever. Today is Focus Part 3, and I've kind of subtitled this the danger, the danger. Last week we talked about the distance. Uh, week three, I want to talk about the danger, the danger. Look at your neighbor and tell him, be careful with the danger. <laughs> Some of you look like the danger with your face this small. Come on. Look at your neighbor and tell him the danger, the danger. <laughs> Oh, my God. I've been so pumped. I hope this series has been helping somebody. Come on. It's been helping my soul. I hope this series has been helping you. Uh, it's been helping me. It's been helping my life stay focused, and I'm excited about God's Word today. Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask God to bless us today. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, for each and every single service, every campus. God, we pray that you would have your way in our lives today, God. Speak to us. If anybody walked in discouraged, if anybody walked in feeling down and out, I pray that you would heal them encourage them, lift them up in Jesus' mighty name. God, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And all of God's people say, come on, all of God's people say, can you give Jesus one more shout of praise? Come on, with all we got, come on. I don't know if you know this or not. I think I've shared it a few times, but um, I'm not the biggest fan of cats. 
I'm not the biggest fan of cats, right? Any cat lovers in here today? Any cat lovers? <laughs> A few cat lovers, a few cat lovers. If, if you are a cat lover, uh, please don't get offended. Please don't get upset. Please don't get mad. Um, I, I'm not going to say anything hurtful toward cats. So if you are a cat lover, um, I, I just want to apologize beforehand, right? Um, and if you're upset, please don't send us an email. If you do want to write an email, uh, send it to phil at calvaryconnect.com. But um, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not a cat Lover. Maybe it was because when I was younger, I remember uh, stepping outside of my house. Uh, there was a cat on the sidewalk. I went to say hello to the kitty. And uh, <laughs> as I approached the cat to pet the cat, it turned around, mean as can be. It looked like a demon possessed it. And it scratched up my whole arm from my elbow to my hand, completely scratched up. And since then, I've been away from the spirit of demons and cats. I don't like them. I just, ah, I like them from a distance. But, but at, the, at, at the bottom of my heart, right, at the bottom of my heart, I, I just love all animals. I'm an animal lover. Like, I do just enjoy animals. My, my wife, Diana, is a bigger animal lover than me. Like, if it was up to Diana, my house right now would look like, like Noah's Ark, right? Like, we would have every single type of animal in our home. Diana, if it was up to her, every single stray dog that you see in the street, she would pick it up and take it home, right? Every, every single dog, every single... My house would have zebras, unicorns, like everything you could think. Like my house would be inundated with animals, right? Like Diana loves animals, and I do too. And, and when we first got married, we got, we got married in, in the year 2009. Come on, somebody. It's going to be 10 years this year. 10 years being married, and I'm, just, I'm praying and believing babies are coming soon. And uh, I, wait, wait, I, I met... <laughs> I meant, I meant animal babies. We don't want real babies yet. We, want, we don't want babies, not yet. Um, so anyways, 10 years being married. When we first got married, right, we, we rented this nice, beautiful house. It was an old house, but it, it was huge. It was nice. And, and I was making okay money way back then working somewhere else. And, and I just said, ah, let's get this house. And it was an unwise financial decision. But we got this house. When you're young and dumb, you just do dumb, dumb things. But rented this house. It was beautiful. But, but around the neighborhood, it was full of, it was full of cats, the neighborhood was full of cats, right? And so every single time we would drive home and, and we'll pull up in the driveway, cats would come and flood our car and flood our doorstep. And I'm just like, there's cats everywhere. We need to move. I don't know. Let's just leave Miami. I don't know what's going on. Like, this is, this is bad. And there was cats absolutely everywhere. There was this one cat in particular that he loved hanging around our house. He loved hanging around our door, loved hanging around our car. It was almost like he became part of the family. Um, I, I don't know why. And again, I, I, I don't like cats, but I'm also not a hater, right? So I, I just started, like, growing fond of the cat. It got a little soft spot in my heart. Hard and, and so I even named it. I called it Misu, right? And uh, is, is that a Hispanic name? All Hispanics call cats Misus. I just, I'm convinced. Misu, 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 right? And so I just called, called it Misu. <laughs> Misu, 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 Misu. And um, I don't know. It was just like hanging around the house all the time, like outside of the house and by the car. And, and uh, we made a mistake after a few months because we started feeding the cat. Exactly. <laughs> We started feeding the cat, 
And uh, once you start feeding a cat, they are not leaving. Like, they, they're going to be there every single day. And so every single time we would pull up, Misu was waiting for us and waiting for us. And sometimes we'll wake up in the morning, I'll walk by the door, and there was Misu looking in through the, like the little side glass. And it was just staring at us, waiting for some food. There was the spirit of Misu outside of our house. And um, every single time we'll drive in, there was Misu. And Misu just became a little bit too comfortable around us. Misu uh, thought that our home was now his home, and every single time we would open the door and want to come into our house, Misu got a little fresh, right? Like, he just, think, he just began to think that now his, his house was our home, all right? This is my house now. Your home is my house. My house is your house. And every single time we would open the door, we would have to, like, just brush Misu, to, not, not kick, but brush Misu. So it's like, Misu, no, like, you're, you're not, you're, no cats allowed in my house. Like, Dan, it's also a little bit allergic to cat hair. And so you're not coming in the home. But, but every once in a while, he would sneak in, and, and I'll have to drive that spirit out there in Jesus' name, right? And he just always tried to get in the house. And and we would have to make sure that Misu would not get in. Can I, can I just tell you this morning, I really believe that we are in the same situation with our eyes. I really believe that we, this is the same exact way that it works with our eyes. That it really doesn't matter what's on the inside. It's that a lot of times what's on the, I mean on the outside, but a lot of times what's on the outside wants to get on the inside. Right, we have the same situation with our eyes. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. The question is, are we allowing it on the inside? On the outside, there's a whole bunch of stuff. On the outside, we're going to see and encounter so many different things. But are we allowing the things on the outside to get on the inside? We, we need to be careful not to allow it on the inside. Be careful your eyes, what they take in down to your heart and down to your soul. The eyes, they used to be called also the eye gate, right? The eyes were known as the eye gate. In other words, they were the doorway to your soul. Your eyes are the door to your heart, right? What are we taking in through our eyes, are we opening the door of our eyes so that anything gets down to our heart, right? If I tell you anything today, I would tell you this, that what we see with our eyes, it will grow in our soul. What we feed our eyes will grow in our soul. What, what are you feeding your eyes? What are you taking in with your eyes? Whatever you take in with your eyes can endanger your soul. What you Take in that which you allow on the inside to get down to your heart and to your soul. It can endanger it and it can put you in a bad position. Like what, what are we allowing in our eyes? What are we allowing through our eyes to get deep down in our soul? Be careful with your eyes. What are, what are they taking in? What are they watching? What are you consuming? What are you allowing to get deep down in your soul. Have you ever heard this expression that the eyes are the windows to your soul? The eyes are the windows to your soul. I absolutely believe that that's true. Right? I actually, I actually believe that the, that the, with the eyes of your body are the windows to your soul. And what are you allowing in through your eyes? What are you allowing to get in? I really believe that actually your eyes, they have an appetite too. And sometimes it can be unhealthy. And if you're not careful, your eyes will drive your soul. Your eyes will take control of your life. 
If you're not careful what you're taking in through your eyes, they will shape you, they will make you, and they determine who you will be. What you see is who you'll be. What you see is who you will be. What are you taking in through your eyes? They have control and they can determine. What you see today can determine who you are tomorrow. What you see today can determine who you are tomorrow, right? And oftentimes our eyes can get distracted. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on, somebody. Our eyes can get distracted. We're living in a day and age where if it's not TV, it's Netflix. If it's not Netflix, it's the movies. If it's not a movie, it's a magazine ad. If it's not the magazines, it's the movie theaters. It is the advertisement on the highway. It is every single kind of ad that you can see in the mall. We have all kinds of advertisement, everything bombarding our vision, bombarding our sight. If it's not our physical sight, it's the sight of our soul, the gaze of our soul. What are you gazing at? It's saying, by me. You need me. Take me. If you have this, you'll look better. If you take this, you'll feel better. If you own this, you'll look better. If you dress like this, this is how you'll say. Be careful when your eyes are taken in because everything is saying you need me, you want me, have me, take me. Oh, be careful not to get distracted. We've been talking about distraction, and we're living in a day and age where our eyes can easily be distracted. All of a sudden, our eyes are looking every single kind of direction. And I just think that if we want to be focused in 2019, we started the year talking about focus. We started the year talking that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. But if we don't stay focused, our eyes will be distracted. We'll be looking to the left and to the right, and we'll take our eyes off the prize. And one thing that you cannot do when you're driving is that you can't take your eyes off the road. Come on, you got to keep your eyes on the road. Don't take your eyes off the road of life. Don't take your eyes off the road, off the will of God for your life. If you take your eyes off the road, you can't end up in the gutter. Come on, somebody. If you take your eyes off the road, you can swerve and you'll be in some serious trouble. You cannot catch a ball if you take your eyes off the ball. You can't hit a ball if you take your eyes off the ball. You can't drive down the road if your eyes aren't on the road. You can't stay focused on God's call for your life if your eyes are off of God. Come on, somebody. It's 2019. We're going to stay focused with our eyes on Jesus, with our eyes on our calling, with our eyes on the vision that God has given you for your life. There's too much at stake for you to take your eyes off the road. No distractions in 2019. We're going to stay focused. Somebody shout focus. First John. John is doing such an excellent job encouraging us to stay focused. He's saying, be careful because there's a lot of distractions in life. And he's writing a letter to all of us like a father in the faith. And he's saying, hey, be careful. Don't love the world because if you love the world, the love of the father is not in you, he says. And then he says, the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they don't come from the father, but they come from the world. So he's saying, be careful with the world. And he gives us three different categories, and it's what we've been studying over the next few weeks. And we're also talking about this. You cannot miss it, right? Last week, we talked about the lust of the flesh. Today's lust of the eyes. Tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, is is pride of life, right? Three different categories. Sin only comes in three categories. Like, sin will not come in any other category. Every single time you are tempted to sin, it's going to come in three different categories. There's nothing new. Every, t- every single time you're tempted to sin, every single time you're tempted to trip up and do something outside of God's will, it's going to come in these three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. The minute you leave this place and you're tempted today with something, it's either going to be in the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. 
without even leaving. While you're in here and you're getting tempted, it's for lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Come on, can we say that together? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride. One more time. Come on. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Three different categories. It's the three categories which Satan, the enemy of our soul, comes to tempt us. There's no other category outside of it. The devil is not a creative genius. He can't come up with any new scheme, any new trick to trip us up. All he has is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And so every single time you and I get distracted and we take our eyes off of Jesus and we fall in any one of these, it's going to be these three categories. Lust of the flesh, we talked about it last week. Lust of the flesh is all about pleasures. It's all about passions. I want to do. I want to do whatever makes me feel good. I want to do whatever makes my body feel good. Ah, I just want to do it. <laughs> right? Whatever satisfies my body, I'm going to do, right? Whatever satisfies, if it's drinking something until my body feels good, if it's smoking something until my body feels good, if it's just, ah, I'm going to do whatever my body asks me. Ah, <laughs> lust of the flesh. I'm going to sleep with whoever. I'm just going to enjoy and do whatever my body asks. Lust of the flesh. And I'm just going to tell you, all of us get tempted in that area. Do this, it'll make you feel good. Today we're talking about lust of the eyes, lust of the eyes. Maybe you're asking, okay, what is lust of the eyes? We've kind of joined it together in some statements to try to help you understand what lust of the eyes is. If we can put it up, lust of the eyes is, lust of the eyes is all about possessions. Last week was all about pleasures. Today it's all about possessions, right? The statement is, I want to have. In other words, I want to have this. I want to have that. Whatever I see, I want to have. Lust of the eyes. Be careful with the lust of the eyes. I kind of summed it up in, in this statement. Lust of the eyes is to covet or to have an insatiable longing and desire for things that should not be yours. To have an unhealthy perspective and desire of them. That's lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes is all about possessions. Take it. You want it, take it. You want it, take it. I want this. I want to have this. I want to own this. I see that. I want, I see it. I want it, right? All that. I just want it. Whatever your eyes see, take. Whatever your eyes land on, it's yours. Whether it belongs to you or not, lust of the eyes. It's just accumulation. I want, I want, I want. I want to have more. I want to accumulate more. I want to hoard more. I want to gather everything that I can. That is lust of the eyes. And it's the second temptation we're all tempted in. The second way the enemy comes to trip us. It's the opposite of what Jesus said because Jesus says this life is not measured in what we own or what we accumulate. Right? That's not how life is measured. But this society, the world system, do not love the world. The world system is all about who has the most, who can own the most, who can gather the most, who can have the biggest house, who can have the biggest car, who can have the biggest savings account, who can have the best net worth, who can have the biggest business, who can be the biggest CEO. That is lust of the eyes. Not that necessarily any of those things are bad. They can be good, but when they take the place of your heart, it becomes lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. This is the same way the devil has come to humanity since the beginning of time. We saw this last week. Since the beginning of time, Satan, the devil, the serpent, the liar, the tempter, he's been coming to you and I since the beginning of time and saying, hey, this looks good. You want it. Look at it. Doesn't it look amazing? <laughs> All right. Look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says that when the woman Eve, when she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she said, it said that she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. 
right? It said that it looked good for food, right? That's, that's lust of the flesh. Ah, this is going to make me feel good. It's going to be like a red velvet cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory, right? It was good for food. It was pleasing to the eye. Look at the fruit. It looks amazing. You want it? Oh, my God, look at that new car. Oh, my God, look at that woman. Oh, my God, look at that guy. Pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. I want to know everything. I want to be in control of everything. Pride of life. All three found in Genesis, right? Jesus, he's fasting for 40 days in the desert. Then the Spirit of God takes him out, and it says that while he's out in the desert, Satan comes to tempt him, the liar, the tempter. He comes to tempt Jesus himself. The first time that he's tempted is tempted in the lust of the flesh, and then he's tempted into the lust of the eyes. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. It says, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor and said, all this I will give you, he said, if you just bow down and worship me. Be careful with the lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes will make you want to compromise the gospel for you to have a condo, a boat, a yacht, a career, and salary. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes doesn't just bring distance between us and God. Lust of the eyes brings danger because lust of the eyes is replacing God with something else, and that's dangerous. God no longer is our supplier. God no longer is the one who supplies all of our needs. God no longer is the one who is the God of provision. He's no longer the God who satisfies us. Now it's money, possessions, materialism, and sex that I see with my eyes. It's dangerous ground, lust of the eyes. And none of us are exempt from this. We're going to walk out of here, and your eyes are going to see something that you shouldn't see. And the eyes of your soul are going to gaze on some things that we shouldn't be looking at. And it's going to want it. Be careful with the lust of the eyes. That's why we grew up singing the song, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. <laughs> I feel like singing. Anybody want to sing? <laughs> <laughs> lust of the eyes. <laughs> Three things that happens with the lust of the eyes. Number one, it causes greed to happen in our heart. Lust of the eyes will cause for greed to happen in our heart, right? All of a sudden, there, there's this thing where I just want more, I need more, I'm not satisfied because my eyes see the glories of this world. My eyes see everything that this world has to offer, and I want more. I want to possess more. I want to own more. I want to have more. The house that I had is cool, it's cute, but now I see a bigger house, a nicer house. The car that I have is okay, but now I see a nicer car. Oh, my God, the dog that I have, now I see cats. Nobody wants cats, but now I see other things that I want, right? Oh, my salary, it looks good until you find out what your neighbor makes, and then you want a bigger salary, right? Oh, my wife, it's okay until you see somebody else's wife, and all of a sudden it will create greed in our lives be careful with greed it's all about materialism I want more I want to possess more I want to own more and look at the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 whoever loves money never has what never has enough you love money you will never have enough money come on some of us we know people like this they are so in love with money it doesn't matter how much they have they want more Money's not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This is dangerous ground. All of a sudden, greed is in our heart, and we want more, and we say money is the one that's going to keep me secure. Lust of the eyes is all about insecurity in God. 
Because lust of the eyes says, God, you will not provide for me the way this money can provide for me. God, you will not satisfy me the way this salary can satisfy me. God, you're not going to take care of me the way this job can take care of me. And so some of us, we've gone overtime, double time, triple overtime. We give up marriages. We give up family. We give up all kinds of things. We give up church life, and we give up God because our security is in money instead of the God who owns all the money in the world. Lust of the eyes wants more and more. Look what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives from the what? Come on, dude. Like you ate some breakfast, some lunch, something. Come on, can we say it together? Keep your lives from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But the minute we think he's forsaking us and leaving us, we run to the money. I love you, God. I trust you, God. But if you can't provide for me, it's been three days. It's been 10 days. It's been 20 days. I got to go work, and I'm going to skip my marriage. I'm going to skip time with my kids. I'm going to skip church life because money is my true supplier. Money is my provision. It's the only way that will keep me secure in my heart, mind, and soul. My trust is in money. My trust is not in God. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us, don't fall in love with money because God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't allow the love of money to create greed in your heart, right? Nothing wrong with having money. Anybody want more money? Come on, there's nothing wrong with having money. But if you fall in love with money and you're after money and money becomes your number one desire, it's a trap. It'll never be enough. First Timothy, Paul's writing this to Timothy in verse, chapter 6, verses 9 to the 10. He says, those who want to get rich, it says they fall into temptation. And it's a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's a trap. You think more money is going to be better. It's a trap. You think winning the lottery is going to be better. It's a trap. <laughs> Some of us will spend $50 in lottery tickets, right, because we want to win the gazillion billion dollar prize. <laughs> but we won't even give $50 in tithes and offerings on the weekend service, right? <laughs> but this, this lottery ticket... This lottery ticket might provide for me more than God. And it says it actually leaves people in ruin and destruction, right? Most people that win the lottery within five years, they're in bankruptcy. Lives are ruined. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs because of the love of money. Can I tell you, some people aren't here today, not just because they had to go to work. I understand that. There's people who work on Sundays and that's why we're providing our 6 p.m. services. I love it. But, but some people aren't here today, not because they need the money, but because they're in love with money. They've walked away from their faith, walked away from family, marriages, all that because there's a love. Number one, greed. Number two, covet. Lust of the eyes causes us to covet. Somebody say covet. covet. To covet means to have a longing or a strong, unhealthy desire for something or someone that is not yours. Woo! Oh, Lord. Come on. We all deal with this. It's going to be quiet at 11 a.m. <laughs> All of a sudden, we look at our neighbor's car, and we're like, that's a nice car. I want it. Look at our, our neighbor's things. I want it. You know, one of, the, one of the Ten Commandments, the last one is, thou shall not covet. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous ground to be coveting, right? Look what the Bible says. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. <laughs> you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. 
In other words, it's telling us don't look over your shoulder and desire long in an unhealthy way what they possess. Lust of the eyes will want us to have everything. You know what lust of the eyes is? What, what all of a sudden, what covetousness will happen is that it will create comparison in our soul. And comparison is one of the biggest thieves, robbers of joy. All of a sudden, you walk out of here with joy in your soul, but the minute you begin to covet what your friend has, what your family member has, it will suck the joy out of your heart. Because all of a sudden, you're not thankful and you're not appreciative of what God has given you. Now you want what other people have. And so it robs joy, right? Lust of the eyes and covet is like somebody knocking on your front door and you look through the peephole, you open, and you see Misu out there. <laughs> Now I'm just saying, you see, you see a bunch of, let's say you see robbers out there with ski masks and all dressed in black and, and they got a gun on them and you're like, oh my God, lust of the eyes and covet. You know what it does? It opens its door and says, come right in and take all you want. All right, because it, it takes away the joy of our heart. All of a sudden we fall into comparison. Covetous will fall into comparison and then covetous will make us fall into illicit sexual thoughts and illicit sexual relationships. Right? All of a sudden, we're looking at people we shouldn't be looking at, and we begin to have thoughts we shouldn't be having. Right? It says, don't look at your neighbor's wife. Don't look at your neighbor's husband. Don't look at your co-worker's wife. Don't look at your co-neighbor's husband. And all of a sudden, covetousness will lead us down the, down the road to cheating, adultery, and fornication. It's dangerous ground, lust of the eyes. Don't lust with your eyes. Right? It happened to David in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. It says that what do you mean, David? This was the King David, right? The man after God's own heart. It says he got up from his bed, from his palace, and he walked around on the roof. He had a rooftop. Come on, you know he had a bad place. And, and it says from the rooftop, he saw a woman bathing. He had a good point of view up there. And it says the woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. He got her through the eyes. Right? Saw her through his eyes. And he says, the man came back and said, her name is Bathsheba. Bathsheba, who was in the bath. The daughter of Eliam. And the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. And it says, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to her and he slept with her. Adultery. Took somebody else's wife. Lust of the eyes. I, I see it. I want it. It's her. I want her. I'm going to sleep with her. But, but she's married. She's somebody. I don't care. Lust of the eye. I'm going to do whatever my eyes tell me. It's not just what happens in front of you. He could have been walking on the rooftop and seen her and said, oh, my God, Lord, you're good, and keep walking. <laughs> right? But he stopped, looked, and he let what was on the outside get on the inside. What's her name? Find out. Bring her over here. If you read the rest of the story, it's extremely sad. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant so that her husband won't find out. He sends the husband, without knowing, on the front line of battle and gets him killed. He commits adultery and then commits murder. There's a consequence to that because as she gets pregnant, the baby's born and the baby passes away. Lust of the eyes is dangerous, dangerous ground. It creates greed. It creates covenant. And then number three, lust of the eyes will create idols in our heart. Lust of the eyes creates idol in our heart. Because every single time you don't trust God, you put your trust in something else. You put your trust in somebody The Bible says that when the people of God, they were crossing the desert into the promised land following after Moses... It says that when they couldn't see Moses, when they couldn't hear Moses, it says that they all threw in all their gold jewelry into a fire and they made a golden calf to worship. Because every single time you can't see the hand or the promise of God over your life, you will turn and worship what you can see. 
when God is silent, when God is not being seen, if for a moment he's doing something in the background of our lives, if we become desperate, we'll begin to worship whatever is in front of us. Be careful with the idols in our hearts. It's the lust of the eyes that creates them because I need to see something. I want to see God. If God is real, can he just show himself to me? You ever said that? <laughs> I'm by myself. Okay. <laughs> Come on. If God is real, show me your real God. Because our eyes want to see something. The minute we can't see God, we will worship whatever we can see. Look what it says. It says, Psalm chapter 106, verse 20, it says, They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. How many times have we exchanged the beauty of God for a cow who eats grass? Oh, come on, we do it all the time. I'm going to take my eyes off of the glorious riches in Christ Jesus, and I'm going to put it in my salary, in my workplace. I'm going to put it in sex. I'm going to put it in everything else that my eyes see. The Bible says, be careful with your eyes what you see, lest you go and you look at all creation, you look at the moon and the stars, and you begin to worship them. That's why we don't believe in astrology or horoscope because we know there's a God that's above that who created the stars, who created the moon, who created the cows, who created the, everything. On There's a God who is way higher and I'm not going to console the creation about the creator. I'll go straight to the creator. I'll worship him. My eyes are on him. He knows the direction of my life. I'm staying focused on him. He's guiding me. He's leading me. He's leading you. Are you worried? Are you tired? Are you confused? Look to the creator. Put your eyes on him. He's a sustainer. He's the provider, and he will lead and guide our lives. Greed, covet, and idols. Three remedies for this, and we'll wrap up. Three things really quick. How can, what can we do with the lust of the eyes? Right? Number one, read the word. How do we battle lust of the eyes? Read the word. Get a Bible. Get you version. Get whatever kind of Bible you can get and read the word. Put your eyes on the word. Let your soul gaze and meditate on the law of the Lord. Come on, there's nothing like, there's nothing more refreshing to our soul than reading the Word of God. If you can't read it, put on audio Bible, do whatever you can, but you need to always meditate day and night on what God's Word is telling us. Right? There's, if you've got to wake up 15 minutes earlier, go to sleep 15 minutes later, but get the Word of God in front of your eyes. I'm telling you, it is vital for your soul. It's a matter of life or death. You need to read the Word of God. Look what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Read the word. Come on, we're going to be some believers that don't just come to a Sunday concert. It's not a concert. It's a journey with Jesus. We're being discipled and we're reading the word together. We're not perfect. We're going to slip. A day might go. Two days might go. A week might go. Or you don't read the Bible. Make sure you get right back in it. I got, I got to read the word. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. It becomes practice in your life, right? Number one, read the word. Number two, be generous. Be generous. Generosity will break the back of lust of the eyes. Because lust of the eyes will want to get you all the possessions of the world, all the materialistic things in the world. When you are generous, you're saying none of this has a grip in my heart. Money doesn't own me. Possessions don't own me. Material things don't own me. Fashion doesn't own me. None of these things own my heart, right? Uh, it's good to have possessions as long as possessions don't have you. 
And every single time you are generous, you're saying, none of this owns my heart. God has blessed me with it so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. I'm going to bless my marriage with it. I'm going to bless my kids with it. I'm going to bless my grandchildren with it. I'm going to bless my church with it. I'm going to bless the kingdom of God with it. I'm going to bless the missions around the world. Come on, generosity. Every single time you open your heart, it, it open your hand, it opens your heart. But every single time you close your hand, it closes your heart. The hand and the heart are always connected. Right? I don't know about you, I want to live with an open heart. Open heart, open eyes, open hand. And say, God, you know what, I'm going to be generous with what you've given me. A lot of us, God has saved our soul, but he hasn't saved our wallet yet. <laughs> I love God. I want to serve God. But I'm not letting him get him my money. Don't get my bank account yet, God. Lust of the eyes will make you live for possessions. Number one, read the word. Number two, be generous. Number three, third and finally, you need to discipline your eyes. Discipline. Somebody say discipline. It's literally telling your eyes what they're going to see and what they're going to tend. take in. I'm not allowing whatever it's in front of my eyes to come inside of my soul, inside of my heart. We live in a world now where it doesn't matter where you look, you're going to see all kinds of crazy things. Right? You open up the internet, you're going to see all kinds of crazy things. Be careful with your eyes are seen. Right? Our eyes have an appetite too and our flesh has an appetite. That's why pornography is it's, it's a multi-billion dollar business right now. Right? And it's killing marriages, it's killing husbands, and it's killing wives, and it's killing families. Right? Discipline your eyes and say, I will not see what is not healthy for my soul. I will not take in what is not healthy for my family. I will not take in what is not healthy for my walk with God. I'm going to discipline my eyes. I'm going to train my eyes. The Bible says, the Bible says that Job, he made a covenant with his eyes. I will not see what I'm not supposed to see. That it's going to pass in front of you. Oh, it's going to pass. It's going to be waiting at the door of your house like little Misu. Are we opening the door and are we letting it in? Our eyes are going to wander. You're going to see all types of stuff in this walk of life. Our soul is going to want to gaze on a whole lot of things, but, but discipline them. The Bible says in Psalm 101, verse 3, it says this. It says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. The psalmist made a decision. Another translation says, I'm not going to let no vile thing before my eyes. In other words, any nasty, disgusting ugly thing, offensive thing, anything that offends God, I'm not going to set it before my eye. I've made a decision. I'm going to keep my eyes on the beauty of Christ. I'm going to keep my eyes on the cross that is before me. I'm going to keep my eyes on the beautiful, wonderful Jesus that I have. Everything else pales in comparison. My salary doesn't matter. My bank account doesn't matter. Any kind of sex doesn't matter. Nothing is as beautiful as the glorious wonder that is Jesus Christ and Jesus resurrected. Nothing compares to him. I'll keep my eyes on him for as long as I live. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. We're focused this year. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's stand up on our feet all across this place. All across this place, let's stand to our feet. Is this helping anybody? Come on, is this series helping anybody? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. I want to have. This year, don't let nothing master you. I'm not going to let sin master me. I'm not going to let temptation master me. 
because I have the Holy Spirit and I'm only mastered by Jesus Christ. I'm his servant, the Bible says. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Don't take in, don't open the door. Come on, can we make a decision all across this place? Can we lift up our hands? Every single hand lifted all across this place, every campus, every service, lift up every hand. Come on, can we just thank Jesus for his glorious wonder? Come on, can you remind your soul this morning of the glorious wonders that is Jesus? Come on, if our soul can gaze on Jesus, can you just begin to thank him this morning? Tell him, thank you, Jesus. Come on, as you begin to thank Jesus, as you begin to think about him, you'll see the wonderful cross. You'll see the wonderful face of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to see you. I want to behold you. I want, I want all the days of my life to meditate on your word and meditate on your laws. Come on, lift up your voice across this place. Tell him, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm so thankful. Jesus, thank you for the blood on Calvary. Jesus, thank you, God, for everything that you've done for me. If you never give me anything else, you've already given me more than enough, Jesus. Jesus, you're awesome. There's none like you. I cast my mind to Calvary. Oh, praise the name. Oh, lift them up high. Come on, somebody. Can we lift them up with all you got? Come on.